You know, the first reason is that um, the day was prepared for salvation of man. It wasn't just a day that God just wanted to do something different and something that would, uh, you know, he's going to show off or anything else. But man was lost. Now, I don't know whether you believe the Bible record or not, but in Genesis in chapter 2, as you know, God um, told Adam and Eve that um, they could eat of everything in the garden. He put them in a beautiful place. He says you can eat of everything in the garden, but of one thing you can eat, the tree of good and evil, you know. The tree of knowledge is there. And yet everything was prepared for them, and yet they had a free will, just like you have a free will. <clears throat> now, our free will is different now than it was back then because back then they, had, they didn't have sin nature. You and I have sin nature. If you're not a Christian, what I'm talking about sin nature is you have a bent towards darkness. You have a bent towards doing bad things. Now, we have potential for good because we're creating the image and likeness of God, but our bent is towards not so nice. I'm nice as long as you can play by my rules. But once we get a little funky, then, you know, it's my way or the highway, right? That's the way it goes. And um, the serpent enticed Steve to eat. And she ate, and then she gave to her husband, as you know. This is not a story. This is not myth. This is God's revelation of what took place. You see, the only way you can really explain the creation and the world the way it is is if you believe the record that God gave to you. God says man is evil. Man says man is good. Now God gives you all the evidence of his evilness. Not only through the Bible, but through history. Through your own life. Man says man is good, but where's he getting that evidence from? From what country? What period of history? What race? If God looked upon you for good, would you qualify? Of course we wouldn't. And you're no different than anybody else. Because when they ate, they partook and they fell. And they attempted to hide themselves, as you know, there in chapter 3. Their eyes were open. They knew automatically. God said, the day you eat, dying you shall die. Literally in the Hebrew, dying you shall die. The minute a baby's born, now we go and celebrate the birth, right? We're happy the kid's born. But that's the first day of his death. And every day, every week, every year, dying, you and I have been dying since we've been born. Dying, dying, dying. One of these days, I'm really going to die. Completely. And as they did that, they try to hide and they try to justify themselves. God asked Adam, what would you do? He says, it's the woman you gave me. Right? Because what do we do when we do something wrong or something happens? We always, you know, well, if you wouldn't have done that, I wouldn't have done this. And if you wouldn't have said that, I, you know, you're lucky I didn't knock you out. You know, we're like that, right? Always justifying, he came to Eve, and Eve says, you know, the, the serpent enticed me and deceived me, and I ate. But now they were in a fallen state, now they have sin nature. And so, there's a problem. You try to hide themselves, God goes looking for them. They inherited sin nature now. The woman's desire now would be towards her husband, Genesis 3.16 says. Whatever it means there, it's not what it meant before. Before the fall, Adam was the head, Eve was his wife, 
They were in perfect harmony. They were naked, not ashamed. In God's ideal world. But sin entered in and it messed everything up. Now all of a sudden her desire for her husband doesn't mean desire sexually. Because a man has the, the stronger drive sexually. Per se. What does it mean then? It's after the fall. Now the woman would not fit in the order that God gave to her to be the complement of the husband. And the husband, rather than loving and serving her, would try to rule her. And that's what we do. The, the, the battle of the sexes does not come in the roaring 20s or the 60s. It's back in the garden. And so you have a man and a woman, you try to put them in the same house, and it's like playing football without a helmet. It may be fun for a little bit, but it gets kind of kind of hurtful after a while. Because we're so self-centered, we want our best. We want our own, right? We want our piece of meat, our 10 pounds. And listen, all of us are nice when we start, but you've got to finish. With sin nature, we can't do that because we live for ourselves. So then what God did is he... He covered their sin. They repented. In Genesis 3.21, he killed a little animal. The blood covered their sin. Didn't forgive it. It covered it of the true prophecy of Jesus Christ that we're going to see that he said would come and die for their sins. And he killed that animal, clothed them, and covered atonement is the word for their sin covering it as an IOU of the true payment to come. And now they had to depend upon God to live for God. But <clears throat> they have sin nature now. Now they're not the way they were before the fall. Now they're different after the fall. But God still was faithful because he promised to them a savior. So God can't lie. And God is working in the midst of this horrible world that's fallen. Where you've got injustices, atrocities and everything else. But we're trying to make the solution saying that man is good. Can you imagine you go to a a guy and an American tire or something like that, and you say, yeah, I want you to put these tires on my car. They're bald. And he looks and says, I can't put these things. No, they're good. Put them on. That's man. He looks at man and he says, man is good. Listen, man is good for nothing. Finish the sentence. And so God is trying to reveal to us who we really are. We're sinners. The word sin means to miss the mark. Come from an old archery game where you shoot your arrow and you shoot it. And if you miss the hoop, you, 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 you sin. You miss the mark. All of us miss the mark. Because you know what the mark is? Perfection. All right? Now, it's just like we all go to the balcony. And we're all going to try to reach the stage. Now, some of you young guys say, I'll win. Now, you might make it five, six rows. You're still going to break your back. No one's going to make it up here. Are you going to brag that you beat me by two rows? Nobody's good enough, ladies and gentlemen. When you ladies, um, before you came, you went to the, your bedroom, the restroom, and you looked in the mirror. Fix yourself up. If your eyelash wasn't by your hair, thing, and then even before you got out of the car, you look one more time, and then before you look at the mirror, before you get in here, you know, you want to make sure. You didn't say... You didn't call that mirror a liar. You liar. I don't look like that. (laughs) You ladies believe your mirror 100%. That's the Bible. The Bible says, look in here. Look and see who you are. 
What does man do? He says, oh, that's not me. I'm good. I don't need anybody. Really. Hmm. We're demonstrating our rebellious heart because we think we're God. The day was prepared by fulfilled prophecy. That day, God gave in Genesis 3.15, the seed of the woman, the seed of the serpent. The seed of the woman speaks of a virgin-born child. The woman has the egg, not the seed. The man provides the seed. And that seed of the woman would bring a mortal wound to the head of the serpent, Satan. While the seed of the serpent would only bring a bruise to his heel, a temporary wound at the cross as he died for you, died for your sin, but he rose from the dead and he destroyed him who had the power of death. And he was victorious to die in your place. But he does not force himself upon you to receive that gift or that forgiveness. Only if you see yourself as what he says you are, a sinner, and you call upon him and say, Lord, be merciful to me, forgive me for my sin, and give me a new heart. You say, well, you know, preacher, I'm highly educated. You're not that smart. Your problem is not intellectual. Your problem is the heart. Above all things, desperately wicked. From the heart, Jesus says, comes fornications, adulteries, blasphemies, everything else. But see, we become good actors. We can manipulate. We can work people. And then we justify and excuse and blame. And we contrive everything in the heart. So our problem is not intellectual. It's the heart. The day was declared to Adam and Eve there in Genesis 3.15. God kept his word. He prophesied through the prophets. Genesis there 3.15. Then Isaiah 7.14 says, Behold, a virgin shall bear a son. shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Matthew chapter 1 picks that prophecy up. Verse 23 and 21. The birth of Jesus Christ. Micah 5, 2 says he would be born in Bethlehem. The very exact place. Not Burbank. Not Ballon Park. But Bethlehem. 700 years before his birth. Declared by Isaiah. The day would be Right on time, the fullness, when, the, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth the Son made of a woman of the law. Galatians 4.4 4 says, right on time. I spoke this morning about Rome. It was a time when Rome was the most powerful empire that had conquered the whole world. The legs of iron of the vision of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon, head of gold, the arms of silver, Medo-Persia, the belly of brass, Greece, the legs of iron, Rome. And when Rome came in, it was a powerful nation. It destroyed everything and conquered it. It assimilated everything else under its power. And yet, it brought peace to the world for a time. It constructed roads to go all over the world. And it unified the empire. 
by one language, Greek. Right on time, the gospel was able to be proclaimed all over the world. All over. Right on time. Not the preaching of foolishness, but people call it foolishness, the preaching. The greatest news that you can ever receive is that you are dead in trespasses and sins and that in you there's not one good thing and that if you don't repent and call upon God, he pleads with you because he takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. I presume you qualify as I. And that he wants to forgive you and he wants to give you eternal life. If you reject that, he's holy, perfect. He can't look upon sin with any condonance, any compromise. So his wrath has to be poured out. You know who God made the lake of fire for? Satan and his angels, Matthew 25, 41 says. And in spite of that, there's going to be multitudes of people there because they rejected the free gift of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because of heart. Religion won't get you there. Religion will make you a hypocrite. Religion is not a step towards God. Religion is a step away from God. You create God in your own image, in your own likeness. So you can't tolerate a God of wrath. So you say, no, my God is just love. Really? What do you do about sin? So he's permissive? He's corrupt like you? Really? Not what our Bible tells us. That's his revelation. And so the day was prepared to remind man of his need of salvation. God initiated the day of Adam and Eve, as we said. He went searching for Adam. Where are you, Adam? To let him know where he was. He was falling. He knew it. He was hiding. He blamed God that it was a woman he gave him. Literally, he was blaming God. It's your fault. You gave her to me, right? Wow. God initiated and revealed to Noah the the sin of the world. He said he was going to bring a judgment on the world and gave him 120 years. 120 years. You know that some of those people that that worked on the ark, they didn't believe the message. But they needed work, right? So they're working there. Can you believe these guys? I think it's going to rain. It hadn't rained all the time. It had never rained. They're saying, yeah, this guy says it's going to rain. What's rain? But when the flood came, the rain came down. And the floor of the, of, of the earth opened up and the water subterraneous came forward. It was a whole different matter, but they didn't believe. You may even be going to church. You may even be involved in all kinds of good moral and ethical stuff. But if you don't believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, you're like that guy working on the ark. Only eight got in the boat. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think it was just a story? We've got the evidence all around us. Every mountaintop, every mountaintop has ocean sediment, sea life and shells on top of it. How'd it get there? You think some pygmies or Indians got up there and just planted them all up there? How do you explain it? So much for evolution. That you just exploded and landed here. You think you came from non-life? You think your ancestors swing by the trees? Well, you got more faith than me. It's much easier to believe that God 
created man as he says in our image because you remember when you were a little kid you had a conscience didn't you first time you stole a candy bar it was hard wasn't it man your heart was beating like anything second time a little easier third time you're a pro now you callous your conscience you ever cut yourself in your arm or something and you get a scar you lose sensation there that's what we do to our conscience so we recalibrate our life to our own perspectives when you call upon the Lord he'll give you a new heart he'll recalibrate your conscience and your heart to the standard of God's word to what he says is right and wrong it's objective truth not subjective lying is always wrong stealing is always wrong Certain things never change with God. God initiated the judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah. He said he was going to judge him. He told Abraham, Abraham interceded. Got lot out. God initiated and revealed the sin of Israel through the prophets. Sent him into Babylonian captivity. First Assyria, the northern kingdom, then Babylon. Calling him to repent. God initiated and sent John the Baptist, the kingdom of God is at hand, declaring that Jesus Christ, behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sins of the world. The entire Jewish nation was schooled through sacrifices. Everything pointed to Jesus Christ. Blood was a token for the forgiveness of sins. It's the precious blood of Jesus Christ. See, if Jesus was not God, then he just died as a martyr and his sin is just as bad as mine. But he was conceived through the Holy Spirit without sin. He became sin for me who knew no sin that I might be made the righteousness of God in him. And when he cried on the cross and he says, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? It's because he's quoting Psalm 22 and a couple of verses down says, because you are holy. The son of God, who is the holiest of all, became sin in our place to endure the wrath of God that he might be able to forgive us of our sin. There was a real payment made, a real death, a real separation, a way that we'll never understand on this side of heaven. And he did it because he loves you. Because he loves you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to change your heart so you can love your wife, you can love your husband, you can forgive, you can yield to him. You can live life in fullness in this fallen world. Never perfect. We're never talking about that. But you will live so much different because he loves you. And so God initiates through his son, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in should not perish but have everlasting life. It's for whosoever. You choose where you'll spend eternity. God does not choose that. People always blame God. Why did God do it? We'll ask him together. But don't blame God for this world. Adam blew it. Eve blew it. Stop and think about it. Eve fell first, right? She was the first to know she was fallen. She was the first to, to, to feel guilt, shame, the desire to hide. And instead of saying, don't eat it, honey. She says, hey, look at this. We are bad news, ladies and gentlemen. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the greatest hope offered to you. And so, God continues to initiate. He always initiates. 
He initiates the gospel to you tonight that you become as a little child and ask him to forgive you as you agree with who he says you are. He created you for his glory, for his pleasure, but you're dead in trespasses and sins and he wants to make you alive by the forgiveness of your sins that you may know what life is all about. You know, the distance between the earth and the moon is about 239,000 miles. It takes 27.3 days for the moon to complete a full revolution around the earth. And it takes exactly the same time for the moon to spin once around its axis. This means that the moon remains at a standstill in relation to the earth's movement so that it always presents the same face to the earth. In Christmas 1968, astronaut Frank Borman, William Adners, and James Lowell became the first men to see with their very own eyes the hidden side of the moon. So impressed were they of God's creation that they read Genesis 1 from there. When they saw the backside of the moon, they said, Man, evolution! They said, God, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God brooded over the waters and began his creative mode. The first day, the second day, the third day, the fourth day, the sixth day, and the seventh he rested. Wow. The most natural response to look to the sun, to look to the moon, to look to another human being, to see your child born from your wife's womb. You don't say, wow, evolution. You know there's a God. You know. But Satan and the whole force of the world is to turn your heart against God. You can see the backside of the moon for yourself. It's your darkness. See, if you're not born again, you're not thoroughly convinced of how dark your heart is. You will only know the darkness of your heart once you come to Jesus Christ. And you will bow before him. You will ask him to forgive you. Because he took your place because he loves you. Man. Amazing grace. Grace through faith that not of yourself. It's a gift of God. Father, we worship you. We thank you. We praise you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy towards us. How patient you are. How loving you are. Lord, we pray right now for those that are here that perhaps do not know you. You would make yourself known to them and they would open their heart to you, Lord, as you would them through your love. And the Lord, you would make yourself known in a way that you've never made yourself known. That, Lord, they would bow their heart and knee to you, Lord. As you're praying, if you're here tonight, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, balcony floor or maybe over the internet, you know, it's a simple prayer of repentance. 
recognizing who you are, a sinner before God, and acknowledging that he died in your place and that he alone can forgive you of your sins and change, transform your heart and life. And if you understand that and you agree with that, that's the grace of God. I could never convince you of that. I would never try to convince you. It has to be a work of God. If you understand that, then that's God's grace. What God requires of you is a simple prayer of repentance. Asking Him to forgive you. I'm going to say this prayer is very simple. If you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that He would forgive your sins and put them in the deepest ocean, as far as east as the west, and He'll never mention them again. Then you ask Him right now. He will save you. You will not be the same. This is your prayer to Him. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me, Lord, for all my sins. Give me a brand new heart. Baptize me with your Holy Spirit. I accept you as my Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.